From NPM, the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, this is episode 214 of Ministry Monday. Ministry Monday is a weekly podcast about music, ministry, and liturgy, produced by the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, or NPM. What is NPM? NPM is a national association that fosters the art of musical liturgy. The members of NPM serve the Catholic Church in the United States as musicians, clergy, liturgists, and other leaders of prayer. For more information, go to npm.org forward slash join. Have a question? Email us anytime at ministrymonday at npm.org. Hello, and welcome to Ministry Monday. I am your host, Amanda Bruce. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to Ministry Monday wherever you listen to your podcasts each week. And hey, thanks for joining us today. Today, I speak to Marilyn Santos, Associate Director of the Secretariat of Evangelization and Catechesis at the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, or USCCB for short. Today, we discuss the National Eucharistic Revival Musical Competition and the opportunity to compose the music that will be used at the 2024 Eucharistic Congress and around the country, sharing the love of the Eucharist. Now, for more information on this competition, please visit eucharisticcongress.org. Again, that's eucharisticcongress.org. Today on Ministry Monday, I'm speaking to Marilyn Santos. Hi, Marilyn. How are you today? I am doing great, Amanda. How are you today? I'm doing really well. Thank you for chatting with us on Ministry Monday. Well, thanks for the invitation. It's always um, fun to talk about the things that we're doing at the Bishop's Conference that are fun. Yeah, I agree. And actually, that's a great place to start. For those who may not know who you are and what you do with the USCCB, would you mind just sharing a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, My name is Marilyn Santos, and I currently serve as the Associate Director of the Secretariat for Evangelization and Catechesis at the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. Great. How long have you been there? I've been there, I believe I began my, over the summer, I began my fifth year. Okay, great. That's great. And so we're talking with you today, especially because of the Eucharistic Revival and the musical competition that's going to be happening there. So Again, let's kind of build a framework around this. The Eucharistic Revival. If someone's listening and doesn't know what it, what it is and what it entails, what is it? Sure. The, the National Eucharistic Revival is what we're envisioning as a movement. It's a multi-year initiative that is being sponsored by all the bishops of the United States. And, and a very simple way of putting it is what we're seeking to do is to inspire and then prepare all the people of God to, to continue moving forward as they're f- continually formed, um, healed, converted, and united, and then sent out as missionaries um, to a world that we know is, uh, is hungry um, and sometimes hurting um, for a renewed encounter with the Lord in the Eucharist, which as Roman Catholics, we very much um, are privileged that it is a source and summit of our Catholic faith. So like I said, this is a movement uh, we're seeking to bring together everybody, whether it's clergy, religious, laity, the apostolates, the movements, um, uh, diocesan leaders, parish leaders, you know, grandmothers, grandfathers, little ones, uh, young people, to to 
collaborate so that this movement has a lasting impact for the renewal of the Catholic Church in the U.S. beyond um, 2024, which is when we will have the first National Eucharistic Congress, I believe, in um, over in over 20 years. Um, what we what we're focusing on, we've developed four pillars to develop the entire National uh, Eucharistic Revival. The first one is personal encounters, uh, reinvigorating worship. Thirdly, deepening formation, and then fourth, missionary sending. You mentioned too that there's going to be a Eucharistic Congress in 2024. Um, where is that taking place, and what would be expected for something like that? Sure, it is taking place um, in the Archdiocese of, of Indianapolis, right there, right in the heart of Indy. Uh, we are um, envisioning no less than 80,000, and right now we have capacity for 100,000 uh, faithful to show up, and, and uh, there'll be sessions of formation and, and worship so that we're looking to animate, but at the same time equip people so the, the real push um, post Congress is that people then return back to the movement. You know, right now what we're calling we're in the diocesan year where it doesn't mean that we're exclusively, but we really are concentrating most of our efforts in giving more formation and resources to diocesan leaders to prepare them for the following year, which kicks off Corpus Christi 2023, which we're calling the parish year. And then that is the year where we're really going to work within parishes in small groups, again, for, for formation and encounters, all leading up to this, this pilgrimage, whether it's a physical pilgrimage or a, a spiritual pilgrimage or a pilgrimage of the mind towards this Congress, which is being um, formed. For those of you who are familiar with World Youth Days, if you've ever had the opportunity to partake in one of those, the schedule is going to be modeled after World Youth Day. And what that means is that once a day, they will be plenaries where all the pilgrims will be doing and listening to the same thing. But then throughout the other days, it'll be more of a festival-like setting. So they will be opportunities for, for praise and worship. There'll be workshops, there'll be different talks. Obviously, there'll be the Sacrament of Reconciliation, um, vocations. So there's just gonna be a lot of opportunities so that no matter where you are in your faith, no matter what your your culture, your age, um, there will be a place for you um, at this National Eucharistic Congress because we really, this Congress should be the face and the heart and the soul of who the Catholic Church is in the United States. And to echo that, anyone can go to this Congress, correct? Absolutely. Um, Registration will officially open mid-February, so very soon, and people are welcome to register as individuals, as, as groups. You can make your own group as, as families. Um, I, I am pretty sure that if you do register as a family, there will be discounted rates. So, you know, young children probably will, a registration fee will be waived so that it really, we're trying to enable uh, families to not let cost be an obstacle for them to come as well as groups. Um, back in November, we did open the website for diocesan bishops so that they could go ahead and secure if they chose up to 200 um, registration slots. So to really encourage our bishops to think of bringing a delegation of, of diocesan uh, representatives. But yes, anybody, the, the website will be open to the general public. Great. Let's go one year back from the Congress. You mentioned that 2023 will be the year of parish formation. So 
What can we as pastoral ministers and just people of the church expect to see in our local dioceses and our local churches? Well, what you can expect to see is that some of it has already started and dioceses are holding their own um, Eucharistic Congresses. They're holding um, uh, extended periods of Eucharistic adoration, uh, masses, special masses at the cathedrals. But at the parish year, what we can expect is we're really going to, we want small groups, really small faith communities to begin to gather to, for further study and prayer as to what it means to be a Eucharistic people. How do we live both those horizontal and vertical um, as, aspects of our life of how we're called to live out our faith? And then, um, and then to begin the missionary effort as well. So as I ground myself and, and as my own personal encounter, my own knowledge deepens, um, now I'm ready to share. Now I'm ready to invite others in my parish. And when I'm saying the word parish now, I mean the, beyond the physical building. You know, um, how do we start reaching out and let people know um, of this incredible gift that we have in the Lord in the Eucharist. What's also going to be happening that year is going to be the kickoff of what a national pilgrimage. And what that entails is that um, simultaneously on the same day from four different corners of the country, a walking pilgrimage is going to begin and which will then um, meet in Indianapolis on the same day in 2024 for the Congress. And along the route, as these things happen, um, it's being uh, planned right now. So different things, but there'll be obviously mass will be the main thing, but the, there'll be an opportunity along the route for whether it's a praise and worship concert or um, workshops or speakers. You, we have a whole staff of Eucharistic preachers who are eager to get involved in this. And, and another thing, which is really beautiful about this pilgrimage, it'll be about bringing Christ to others. So in the planning, there will be very significant stops along the way, whether it's um, at a jail, uh, at the border, um, all these different places where we know people are in need for that healing that only the Lord can bring in the Eucharist. So the pilgrimage will be not just a very public witness of who we are and what we believe, but a very public way of bringing the Lord to people who, um, for circumstances sometimes beyond their control, would not have the opportunity for that encounter. Wow, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And so I know this is far off, and so we can also wait to hear more about this, but the national pilgrimage, will that information be available on the USCCB website or the, where will it be? The, all this information is will be available on the official eucharisticrevival.org website. So it's eucharisticrevival.org, and all that information will be on there. And then through that our, that website, you can also click to the National Eucharistic Congress website, and a lot of information will be the, on there, not just about the Congress, but about the pilgrimage itself. Okay, great. And I'll put the sh um, that link in the show notes of this episode too, if you're listening. So we can also put that there. All right, great. So let's talk a little bit more about the music side of things. So of course, this is a podcast for music ministry and liturgy, which is of course, part of the reason why I asked to speak with you today. So the National Eucharistic Revival is sponsoring a hymn contest. So first off, how was that brought to fruition? Like, where did that idea come from? Sure. We're sponsoring this musical competition because, as I'm sure you, Amanda, and certainly your listeners um, would agree with me, is the mystery that is the Eucharist in many ways is expressed 
that other than music, it is particularly poignantly, it's through that beauty of poetry and music, that what that mystery of the Eucharist that sometimes is so hard to put into simple words, um, it, it, we can capture that. that it's, a, it's one of the transcendents, right, it, that, which is music, that sometimes even transcends language. Um, I know, um, personally, in, in my, my home parish, um, I, I am very blessed that I'm in a very intercultural parish. So every Sunday, um, the music, the liturgical music is multilingual. And even when it's um, like uh, this Sunday, we had a hymn that was in Vietnamese. So where I may not, I don't speak Vietnamese, but they, I could still enter into the mystery because there's just something about music that transcends everything. So our committees, um, especially our bishops in our committee, when we're developing plans, this was almost some, what I would call a, a no-brainer, that um, this would be a, a beautiful way to really um, bring people together. And it's another tool that the church has given us and the Lord has given us, you know, the gift of music to really um, fulfill our vision of, of sharing this message of, of, of the Eucharist. So we're inviting, whether you're an amateur, um, a professional, any, any all, composers, songwriters, to really help us um, enhance these revival efforts with the, gift of, with the gift of music. And then very exciting, which is why we decided to launch it this year, is that the winning entries, because we actually, it's a two-prong contest. There will be a winner for the official hymn song, and then there will be a winner for the official liturgical hymn of the entire National Eucharistic Revival. So we're really hoping that once we announce the winners on June the 9th this year, that individual dioceses and parishes will begin using and incorporating both the theme song and the hymn, um, whether it's in regular Sunday worship or any of the larger events that'll happen at the diocesan level. And then the two will also serve as the official theme song and hymn of the National Eucharistic Congress. So by the time um, we arrive in Indianapolis in 2024. We will all really be singing um, a joyful song together. That's great. I want to talk a couple more specifics about the competition in particular. Um, so what are some of the musical and maybe theological guidelines for the song competition? Sure. Um, the very basically, um, the entries must be new. They must be original works. And they're going to be evaluated both um, on their poetry, their musicality, their creativity, uh, theological and doctrinal soundness, according to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, uh, appropriateness for liturgical use, you know, when it comes to the hymn. And of course, what we wanted to express, you know, the mission of the Eucharistic revival. So we really invite um, people who are interested in entering to visit the website, the eucharisticrevival.org, where they can read all about it so they can get a better sense of what it is that um, the bishops and, and us lay faithful uh, are hoping to accomplish the mission of the revival. Um, it, is there any specific language that it should be in? No, it is, it is open to be multilingual. So what that means, you know, if people are free to submit in English, they are free to submit um, in Spanish or another language. Um, but what we're kind of hoping is that it, we get some nice, uh, whether it's bilingual or, or multilingual, but we'll see what the Lord provides us with. Okay, good. That's great. Um, this might be a little bit too granular, but I think our listeners would be interested. Can you talk just one more second about the difference between the official song and official 
you said official hymn and official liturgical hymn or official song and liturgical hymn. Sure. Well, what we're, the official theme song yeah. would be something that wouldn't be appropriate to use um, as a communion hymn during liturgy. So it's really the one that's, um, you're, that's animating, that's animating people that um, can be used outside of mass, can be outside of anything that's liturgical. So it's really um, the jingle, I guess, if I could call it that. <laughs> it, you know? So it's really something that, um, you know, uh, during praise and worship or just somebody, you know, it, it's something that'll be very catchy. Again, um, I used to teach many years ago. I'm, I'm not a musician, but I was a teacher. And I know that a lot of times when I wanted my students to um, really understand some concepts, and really, um, both in their heart and in their head, I would use music because, again, there's something about music. So we're the theme song is a way of people really understanding what the mission of the revival is, as opposed to the liturgical hymn that is something that um, will be appropriate for use um, to, at, at communion. Okay, great, great. So there are, of course, this is a podcast um, that originates from the National Association of Pastoral Musicians. And so I wanted to ask, what is NPM's role in the Eucharistic Revival Hymn Competition? Well, Amanda, I'm glad that you asked. We're very, very pleased that NPM has agreed to serve, um, to offer one of the staff people or one of the members of NPM to serve as one of our judges on the judging panel. That's um, wonderful. So we're That's... really excited about that. Um, our judges will consist of NPM, um, uh, somebody representing GIA, Oregon Catholic Press, the Society for Catholic Liturgy, Source and Summit, and the Federation of Diocesan Liturgical Commissions, as well as um, the Director of Liturgy at St. Patrick's Seminary in the Archdiocese of San Francisco. So we think we have a really um, solid, uh, very professional, very experienced you know, judging panel, who I, I will share with you. Um, we're so blessed because everybody is offering their services as volunteer. This is, you know, really their gift, which we are very appreciative of to, to the revival and, and the hymn contest. Well, I'm sure that like, like everyone at NPM, I'm sure we're just happy to, again, be a part of it and be a part of the revival and in, in using our skills to help further that. So I'm sure that's how many people sure. feel too. Yeah. So especially if some of your listeners um, are interested um, in submitting entries, I will let you know that um, the basics of uh, the judging process, it will be a, a blind evaluation. So what does that mean is uh, as people submit their entries, um, the names will be removed or anything that could identify who the person is or, or you know, who it is that they rep that they represent so that the music will truly be evaluated on the content. And so the judges won't know who and what really until the very end and they choose the winners. So the process will be the initial entries will be evaluated um, on them submitting words and lyrics. And then after a couple of rounds, we actually will be bringing all the judges here to DC for a couple of days. And um, the last rounds will be, we will um, bring in some lo a local choir and some local musicians so that the, the last rounds of, of judging will be based on actually hearing the songs played and sung. That's great to hear. Is the song also open or would it be a benefit to the song if certain instrumentation were used? So for example, adding guitar or organ only or, you know, instruments like, like strings or like, is there any type of instrumentation we need to be aware of that would actually work maybe in its benefit or detriment? 
No, we, we are really open. Um, we have not issued any criteria as far as um, instrumentation. What you will see, and when people download the entry form, the entry form does have all of the um, specific criteria as far as um, how they need to submit it. But I do know that but that we're not um, insisting on any particular instrumentation. Okay. So we really we don't want to hinder people's creativity. Okay, great. Um, other than the song being released, which we'll talk about in one more second, what is the prize of winning either the theme song or the liturgical hymn? Sure. Each one will have a cash prize of, of $2,500. And you mentioned that the song will be released. Um, how will it be released per se? Will it be advertised to all the bishops and dioceses of the U.S. with encouragement to use it? Like, what's it going to look like in terms of releasing? All right. Well, yes, what you just said, but we're also... Um, we are looking to officially publish it. So when we get there, um, I, we will have um, some conversations with some of our music publishers and, and, and people who are interested in actually producing and, and being the official publishers of the song. And maybe it'll be more than one. Again, we, we, we will get there. And I think we're really gonna allow space for the judges to make some of those more informed decisions. Um, but yes, but we definitely will be um, sharing it, you know, wide and far, um, particularly with our bishops, um, letting them know that um, here they are, please, and really encouraging them to to use the songs um, in their own gatherings. Great. And, I, and we'll be using social media, you know, obviously in the same way that we had a press release announcing the contest, we will have press releases along the way. And on June 9th, um, when the winner is um, announced, it will be uh, via um, a mass press release that goes out to all the different um, venues. Okay, so you talked about how the winner will be announced, the winners will be announced on June 9th, but what is the deadline for submission for the competition? The deadline is April 21st of this year. Okay, great. And like you said, the guidelines for submission, meaning how to submit the song itself, will be on the website, correct? It's all on the website um, with additional requirements. Um, it all it differentiates the guidelines for the hymn as opposed to the theme song. Okay. So it's all spelled out. I mean, you know, the meter that it that it should be in that the, the meter should be clearly indicated. So really, um, all the information's there. And if people have questions, there is uh, an email there that people are free to reach out to us if they do have um, any clarifying questions. Great. And I'll, again, listeners, I'll put that in the show notes of this episode as well, if you're interested. Okay, good. All right. Marilyn, is there anything else that I missed or anything else you want our listeners to know about not just the competition, but the Eucharistic revival overall? It, it's, uh, I'm going to give you a personal anecdote, and this is what I'm hoping for everybody. Okay. Um, you know, as, as a, what they call a cradle Catholic, um, it's been my belief, but over the last two years, and we, which is how long we've actually begun working behind the scenes um, on this Eucharistic revival, I know for me, um, when I go to Mass and I receive now, um, I'm frequently driven to tears, and they're, they're joyful tears. And, and so my, I think our hopes for all of us is that because through this revival, everybody is called to sometimes for the first time or sometimes recall um, the specialness of that moment, and and to really feel close to the Lord, and at the end of the day, that that's what we're that's what where hopes and and dreams are for the revival. That with the Holy Spirit, um, for some people they'll have that first encounter, but for many of us, it's just this renewed encounter 
with the Lord in the Eucharist. That is my hope and prayer as well. And I thank you for your work on the Eucharistic revival. I'm sure, like you said, the work behind the scenes is massive and has taken years to get to this point. And so I thank you for the work unseen and the work that you've seen by all of us um, with hopes that, like you said, we, we can bring so many more closer to Christ. Thank you, Amanda. Have a wonderful and blessed day. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. again to Marilyn for her time today. Should you want to submit a song to the Eucharistic Revival Competition, again, please check out the show notes of this episode, which will have the specific web link towards the competition details, or go to eucharisticcongress.org. The recording of Somos el Cuerpo de Cristo was recorded by Oregon Catholic Press, and the theme music for today's episode was produced by Aaron Schaus. Today's episode of Ministry Monday was produced by me, Amanda Bruce. That's it for today. With the Spirit's gifts empowering us for the work of ministry, thank you for listening. Have a great week, and we'll see you back here for the next Ministry Monday. Stop to all discrimination. We are the body.